When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. I need to get a tattoo. Let's all get tattoos. Yeah. Shall we get everything's content tattoo? Yeah. Yes. I'll get your faces. <laughs> you should. I'm Beth. I'm Richera. And I'm Anoni. And this is Everything Is Content, the weekly pop culture podcast. Every week we get together and deep dive into the stories that have lit up our pop culture world. We're trying to find the snowdrops peeking through the mud in the garden of content. On today's episode, we'll discuss Taylor Swift, yet again, no apologies, and our favourite baby girl. <gasps> if you don't follow us on Instagram yet, what are you doing? Get over there. We're on at Everything Is Content Pod. So, girlies, what have you been enjoying this week? So, I have been loving reading. I read the most amazing long reads in The New Yorker. So, it was by Patrick Radenkeefe, who wrote Empire of Pain, which was an amazing smash hit book about the opioid crisis in America. So, this is an investigative piece about a young guy, Zach Brettler, who felt his death from a Riverside apartment in London back in 2019. There were so many failures in this case in terms of like proper investigating by the Met. The media failed to pick it up, which is unusual because it was about the death of like an affluent Mm. white boy in suspicious circumstances. The writer Patrick talks to the parents, talks to all of the players involved, spends years on this case. And it's just an incredible long read, like a complete testament to amazing, amazing journalism. It is really moving. It's really well written. It's so balanced. I would recommend it might take you like an hour and a half to read it, but do we'll link it in the show notes i think you guys will love it oh my god yes absolutely i'm gonna read that you know there was the movie she said did you read the book by the two journalists who uncovered the harvey weinstein story no i didn't know that's probably it sounds like it's similar where it gives you so much respect for good journalism and you can't believe that it is actually them like sat in offices researching making phone call after phone call like finding stuff out stuff like that is just incredible and i don't think you see it enough i know it's controversial but i just love the films that kind of start off from a journalism story like hustlers you know how it was based on the cut article about women who were conning men out of their money who worked in a strip club i just yeah i think literally like you said proper journalism it really is inspiring isn't it Richera what have you been loving so I've been loving a profile in the Guardian um Simon Hattonstone one of the best profile writers going I would say um interviewed Rylan and the interview was actually so emotional it was so moving in it he talks about having a breakdown from you know the fame that he's acquired over the last few years the intense trolling that he's got because on X Factor he was kind of the quote-unquote you know 
the joke contestant, the one that's mm-hmm. like meant to stir up laughs and like kind of be a bit divisive and controversial. But he talks about the kind of weight that that had on him. But more importantly, I guess the main point of this is, trigger warning that we'll talk about sexual assault right now. He had a really traumatic incident happen whilst he was on that series of X Factor where his fellow contestant was raped. He basically helped her through that incident whilst shooting that series of X Factor. And obviously for the pair of them, that was an immense amount of trauma to go through. And none of that was shared publicly. He kept that a secret for years. I think possibly a decade, he said. Mm -hmm. This interview is the first time he's spoken out about it with her permission. He checked, which I think is so so thoughtful and just an indication of what kind of character he is and during that event he helped her you know with the police he helped make sure that the hotel room was not cleaned so the police could come in gather as much evidence as possible he just went into survival mode to protect her and reading that I just felt so moved by it all he he seems like a really really lovely man and what was the catalyst for this piece that coming up out about now was it intended to be about that story or did it just come up so he has a new show coming out on prime video from the 7th of February called hot mess summer um it kind of sounds quite wacky actually it's a reality tv program where quote-unquote narcissist type people are tricked onto coming onto the show and (gasps) like made to become a better person with the incentive of a cash prize, which I think is quite funny. It does look really juicy. That's wild. Yeah. So and also, I guess, a fun new premise for like... Quite quite original, I'd yeah. say. But yeah, so instead of focusing on that, which I think is really interesting, because most celeb profiles kind of end up being like press releases for a show. That's that's given a few lines. The real meat of this piece is, you know, what's happened to Ryland, his personal life, and how he's really battled a really tough time over the past few years. And I really would recommend giving it a read. I didn't know very much about him. Mm -mm. After reading this, I feel like I only wish him the best. And I think he's a really nice guy. I agree. I felt quite weepy after it because I've liked Ryland for a long time. But I think when someone is that open and someone is like, he was well aware when he was on the X Factor that he was sort of a joke contestant. He leant into it, Mm. had this horribly traumatic thing happen, had to kind of, the show went on for him and had to be laughed at, had to kind of live out all of his like, public kind of shaming for years before people took him seriously as like a presenter which is where he's at now mm. i just have a real soft spot for him he seems like a properly decent man agree i've always really liked him but i haven't read the piece because all i've been doing for the last half many days is squidging my newborn niece so guys do you have oh. anything else to add before we move into the meat of the pod because i've oh. got no recommendations sorry i love <laughs> that that's been your life i have kind of like the opposite of like wholesome niece squidging i went to see all of us strangers at the cinema earlier this week i thought it'd be like a fun evening out which it was but it was a lot sadder than i anticipated i think i started crying maybe like 14 minutes in oh no so i just oh, the poster i saw paul mescal Friend of the pod, we wish. Andrew <laughs> Scott, beloved, Claire Foy and Jamie Bell. It's like a four-person cast. Wow. And it is the most beautiful film. It is, the premise of it is really, it's really difficult to talk about without giving too much weight. It's kind of supernatural, but also like open for interpretation. It's sort of about like the communion between like an adult man and his deceased parents who he lost when he was 12 years old. And he's having this like present day relationship with Paul Mescal's character, this kind of millennial gay man. And Andrew Scott is a little bit older. He's kind of of an older generation of, of queer men. And it's kind of the reconciling of, of different kind of generations of men. Loneliness, connection, love, sex, grief. It is like absolutely walloped me. Oh. Would recommend seeing it with a friend so you can hold their hand. But I came out like absolutely gasping 
because I'd cried out all of my souls and my tears. Oh, that sounds so good. I, oh my gosh, I'm scared of how much I'm going to weep. Do go and see it, but do like take family-sized pack of tissues. Okay. Well, speaking of Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but obviously... There's a lot to talk about when it comes to Taylor Swift and her latest album. But something I also just want to start off with is the group chat with Paul Mescal, Andrew Scott and Joe Alwyn. Yes. Which is entitled The Tortured Man Club. And they spoke about it back in May, which I didn't actually hear about. But obviously with Taylor's new album being released and it's called Tortured Poets Society. Department. Department. I think it's the Department of Tortured Poets or something of those. That's right. Because it just makes me think of Dead Poets Society. Which seems like Everyone really, thinks that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really obvious nod to the group chat. Yes. Apparently the thing is, the, the group chat is based on the men from the Sally Rooney. Um, oh, the that? universe. Okay. Yeah, the Sally oh, Rooney I mean, universe. Fine. Yeah, which is quite boring. But also fun, because I can't imagine those three being friends. No, what do they talk life? about on that? I don't know. I Well, I guess being tortured and sad, being really. Being tortured and sad, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot there. <laughs> anyway, so on, on to Taylor Swift. There has been so much chat about Taylor Swift and in a very different way than normal, maybe. Like she has become, as we've spoken about, stratospheric. And it feels a little bit like the the tune has changed. The wind is gone. What's the Something's phrase? changed. The, <laughs> the tide is turning. Yes. That's the one. Have you guys seen this chatter online? Since the Grammys. So the Grammys was last Sunday. She won her fourth ever album of the year. She's the highest, which is the highest number of anyone who's ever won that award. She announced her new album. She just got a load of, she's just basically winning every award and is on everyone's lips all the time. And everyone's like, but since, like, when did this happen? When was she like, not just like pop's favorite girl, country's favorite girl. When was she like globally everything she touches turns to gold since when was she this much of a commodity yeah and i guess also because she beat an elusive record and she's only with frank sinatra stevie wonder and paul simon wow with having won album of the year at the grammys for the fourth time so that's her that is just like historic with like the legends literally yeah wow and i think so jason okandai friend of the podcast did tweet when did taylor swift become taylor swift obviously it's not one singular moment but when would you say she really transitioned from the popular ex-country singer to a cultural behemoth and i do think it's a good question and loads of people have said actually it all started with that Kanye West intervention. Agree. Because basically by him kind of putting her down, that kind of elevated her so much because everyone felt like she was deserving of it that time. And ever since then, she's kind of gone from strength to strength. I mean, since then she has had controversy after controversy. So that's the idea that all of this was born in one moment in 2009 when she was in her first big controversy. So she was like either a teenager or like really young at that point. So this was the first big brush with like infamy, which if you look at where she is now, she's had like multiple and she's self-referential about it. She talks about like in reputation, she talks about like all of the big scandals and she's gone from strength to strength, but also like loads of controversial things. And and if that's the basis of what's going on here, I don't think it tells the full story. So I asked my friend, Jasmine Sawyer's friend from school, who's a massive Swifty, mm-hmm. who was posting on Instagram about the new album and stuff. And so I messaged her and I said, can you tell me why you think she's like so successful and has such a big fandom? Her reply was, oh my God, absolutely. I could do this all day. So 
I think it's the fact that she's such a good storyteller and I don't just mean in her songwriting, which is phenomenal, but she's turned her whole life into an event that has her fans hanging on to see what she does next. Mm. Every time she releases an album, I'm so excited because I get to dissect the lyrics and speculate. She uses the numbers and certain dates to signal when something else might happen. So it's a constant game. She also does the kind of relatable inverted commas thing, which lots of people see through, but many don't, where she stands on stage and acts amazed that people are there to see her, even though she's had a global fame for over a decade now. So people feel like she's them in a way. And she also doesn't dress well, lol. I was so pleased she said this, which I think adds to the girl next door thing and not really a celeb. She makes it easy to be a fan. Like there's always something to discuss and get excited about. But then she did go on later to say, but I don't think she's a good person because she's never stood up for anything, but I'm still that obsessed well, with she her. Ha- um, yeah, this yeah. is the thing that I've seen recently. When she did her Miss Americana Netflix thing, yeah. um, she did speak out about, I think it was like the abortion bill in the state that she grew up in. She was like, this affects me. I'm going to stand up against this. Whereas you look now, she said not a peep about the conflict in Gaza. Like she knows her power and she's very, she's she's chosen in this case to say nothing about it. And also um, I feel like throughout throughout time and like her music history her songs have been weaponized by really fringe groups um mm. she became a poster girl for that kind of scene at one point and only really late did she comment on that i think that was a few years ago possibly 2021 i want to say and that was a big deal because she really hasn't been known to speak out about things very actively one thing i wanted to say is anoni i feel like your friend made such a good point there and the only thing i was thinking of was I feel like she also created this Taylor law around Mm. her by hanging out with all of these celebrities, having the girl gang hanging out with, you know, Carly Kloss, um, all of these like massive superstars and having her besties. I think she created this law around her that she was stratospherically famous before she actually had the music to back that up. I feel like she was hanging out and making herself seem like, well, I'm the biggest pop star of our generation as her music was just catching up to that as well. Also, funny you said that. The next question from her was, once you start the law, it's hard to stop. And I found it so interesting because my friend was like, it's just so fun. It's almost like a game. But I did think it's interesting that she still was far enough away to say that I still don't think she's a good person. I found that interesting that you could be Mm. such a big fan and at the same time. Yeah, because they will defend her to the ends of the earth. And that's why I've always been hesitant to (laughs) even talk about my indifference to her or like my career is about this. I mean, props to Jason for doing it because I just think the potential of the blowback is really huge. Mm. I just don't, I mean, I don't get it. And I'm really interested to have this conversation because I don't know, is she this amazing lyricist? Is it like she leaves enough open to interpretation that like her fans are doing the work? Is it that she's capturing like the millennial nostalgia and like Gen Z's like kind of early romanticism? Like, is it really, do they sit in a room and decide how this is going to work? Or is this just like happenstance? I think it's a bit of everything you said. And I think kind of what we're all saying is she creates an event of every single thing Mm, she does. mm -hmm. So imagine Barbie. I feel like she does a Barbie three times a year. This album announcement at the Grammys stole the show. No one's talking about Jay-Z defending his wife in comparison to the fact that this album has been announced. She respectfully steals the show with anything she does. I like her songs. I find them very Mm -hmm. catchy. I listen to all her albums. But when people quote her lyrics, I'm thinking, is that good? To when me, I read it reads them. like a 16-year-old. And also, as someone that really does like poetry, I don't find her lyrics to be very deep or smart. I, I find them fun to, to sing. I they deep and smart because I think they have to get the... Mi- I think they have to be middling to get the universality. Because I think if you go mm. too deep and too smart, too esoteric, you deal with things that are like quite deep and quite scary. You get people, but you don't mm. get everyone. Whereas if she speaks to everyone, she speaks to like... 
the experience of heartbreak, for example, the experience of longing, yeah. the teenage experience of, of, you know, popularity, of yearning, you immediately, like, the, the net is cast so wide. So, I think it's quite clever what she does, but I agree. When I see them written down, I'm like, this? Mm-hmm. This is your, like, these are the best lyrics? Okay, <laughs> but then you do actually, when I was listening to them, they do seem to get me. You've hit the nail on the head. I think it's the universality of her. And I think... She's commercially so successful. And I think that's why people say that she's the biggest pop icon of our generation. I actually found a stat in a variety piece um, from Justin Curto. How Taylor Swift beat Sinatra. He says, um, prior to October 2022, most industry observers thought a million album week on the Billboard 200 was no longer attainable in today's standard economy. Adele couldn't do it. Drake couldn't do it. And successful newcomers like Morgan Wallen and Bad Bunny couldn't do it. Then Midnight's posted a stunning 1.5 million units, the first seven-figure American debut since Swift's own reputation in 2017. So she's she's selling records at a time where, you know, the music industry is like baffled with how to do it. And I think that is the universality. I think she's hit something where she has got so many people to understand heartbreak, longing, love, and people love her for it. Yeah. I saw a tweet, which I think maybe is it, and it's obviously very basic, but Elle Hunt tweeted, it's basically working just like compound interest at this point. She's been big for a long time and works tirelessly to get bigger. Mm -hmm. And I think that is true. And my last thing I want to say, which I think absolutely blew my mind, there is one year age difference between Adele and Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. I saw that. Simply cannot compute yeah Yeah, and also like the albums Adele's now did did her divorce album Taylor Swift does continue to like stay in situationship albums exactly stays in the waters of like cheerleading like heartbreak like early heartbreak first heartbreak that it's just so interesting like I really do think of Adele as being like a a grown woman singer yeah I saw somebody make the point that Taylor's been uh baby girled by the internet and I think that's probably right and I think not only does she do like first love first heartbreaks that kind of tone and she is she is speaking to the girls and the girlies uh, whereas I think Adele is speaking to a life maybe alone in a bar with like a glass of red wine and it's like very different tones it's very soulful agreed and Taylor Swift has been through it I mean we talked about Kanye West earlier she's been through that the press has treated her like shit for being you know essentially dating she's been the figurehead for women who can't keep a boyfriend everywhere she has been treated like shit but also she's that kind of like blonde white woman very pretty who people will rush to defend her in these cases whereas like someone points out like Megan Stallion six years younger she has been like aged by mm. the coverage of her you know yeah. she was shot by a partner and and she kind of still doesn't get the same protection so it is quite interesting how she is handled and at what point does that stop like will she continue to age with her fans in the like if she gets married if she gets divorced in the way that Adele would just write albums about that like will she age will she age beyond her audience will her audience kind of drop off I don't know though I'm very conscious of my own perception of Taylor Swift in this last 24 hours has really shifted towards me actually starting to dislike her mm-hmm. and I wonder if we're watching the machine at work which is when a woman and I know this is really baseline but it definitely something I used to like her music and I wasn't really bothered and all of a sudden I'm actually feeling feelings of like dislike yeah. towards her which is interesting because I used to be quite neutral mm-hmm. we will tear down a woman when she reaches a certain point yeah I just think because she's been t- torn down that many times and she there's been like a culture of dislike it was really popular to dislike Taylor yeah, Swift for yeah. a decade yeah, yeah, yeah. at least so now I wonder whether that's all out there maybe the tide is it's 
not going to change back as easy because we've been there done that we've yeah, all been Kanye West yeah I mean this is almost like a never-ending topic because we also have to talk about the fact that Jay-Z it was his moment to talk so he was very well within his rights but he did bring up the point that his wife Beyonce has won have many Grammys for her music and never won Artist of the Year yeah Album of the Year. Album of the Year, sorry. Yeah, yeah. A- I always just, in my head, I'm going, A-O-T-Y. He was basically making a, a similar point much more coothly than, is cooth a word? Well, if you can be uncouth, you yeah, must be able to be Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Than Kanye West. And I actually really respect him for that. Yeah, he called out the establishment. And, yeah. and it is fucking baffling um, that you can, Taylor Swift obviously has had huge success. Don't think she's reinvented the fucking wheel. Whereas Beyonce can do something like Renaissance. And or lemonade. Renaissance, lemonade. Like drop them overnight. Incredible visuals. I mean, not for Renaissance, but like she can do all of this <laughs> and like they give her dust. Yeah. One thing that I've just seen from a piece is that Taylor Swift has now won album of the year more times than all black women combined have. <gasps> the previous black woman to win the award was Natalie Cole in 1992, <gasps> Whitney wow. Houston in 1994 and Lauren Hill in 1999. That's three. And here we are. And like a lot of people have been like, you know, it's amazing the Grammys have been really female-led this year, which we can say this is a step, but it's it's white women for the majority, not all of them. A lot of people like did get their flowers this year, but that is really shocking. I mean, it shouldn't be shocking, but it is. Yeah. So album of the year, specifically that category has been near impossible for black women to break into. I think they always get, you know, record of the year. They Mm -hmm. get single of the year, performance of the year, but album of the year, notoriously difficult but what i don't understand is like yes taylor swift is good but even from the point of view of the fact that she's won it so many times why wouldn't you award it to someone else you know what i mean it doesn't make sense on any you just get bored going you'd be like i just know who's gonna fucking win (laughs) also on a final point i know this is like very basic but her dress sense i've said it for a while and i have been told that it's bitchy my least fashionable friends dress better than her i've said that i've just realized i've got no unfashionable friends but anyway my point is she is the worst dressed person on the planet. <laughs> and she's one of the richest people in the world. How does she dress so badly? That outfit at the Grammys, that was a sheer Pirelli dress, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite designers. They're always Incredible. shopping. They loads of gold jewelry. They look like pieces of modern art. She's made it look like she's got a choker set from Claire's Accessories. Mm-hmm. A watch around her neck. A watch around her neck. A bridal <laughs> dress from Coast. And then some gloves from Monsoon. The braid as well. Sorry, the braid. The braid. The random, that like, bloody red lipstick. I mean, she could have had her hair scraped back like Hunter Schaffer, as like you said, when, yes. and she yeah. wore that amazing dress for the oh, day. Hunter Could fashion. have styled it like that, oh. like the gorgeous big choker or even the Cartier snake that everyone I does. I think she has to remain in the realm of like, relatability if she go like hunter schaefer looks ethereal when you see her yes. so I think you, if you do that you step into like an upper echelon of celebrity which actually for taylor swift fans which are perhaps younger women who like want to but see her as their friend she have on has on that, that that's oh, carty diamonds they're worth like she's probably wearing like a million pounds worth of jewelry on her neck nothing is relatable about it having bad dress sense is not relatable to me <laughs> no. i don't get it no beth you're saying it's intentional i yes. i disagree with you vehemently because it's a skill to be that unfashionable yes. and i think i don't think somebody could even curate that lack of fashion i think it has to be so pure <laughs> so deep within that you come out of the house wearing this mishmash of nonsense she could just dress better she could be styled better like everything she touches like i said earlier turns to gold except her fashion except her fashion friends with like kendall janet like if i was friends with her i'd be like oh babe that maybe let's (laughs) put on a nude lip and should we put on a different skirt with that from the girl gang cut from the girl gang yeah i can't i just don't get it i just think because i do think everything is quite curated and on purpose i'm certain it must be but actually it could just be that she feels fly and she's feeling fine which is great but if you are the most famous woman in the world 
you'd imagine at one point someone's going to go, we've got to get that Fire watch off your neck. I'm surprised the designers are even like agreeing to dress her when she's standing at that badly, to be honest. <laughs> Hello, I'm Beth, one of the hosts of Everything Is Content. I'm really excited to announce that my new book, Romanticize Your Life, is out now. It's a how-to guide for anyone who wants more romance, joy, and main character energy in their lives. It's full of stories about dating, advice for anxious solo travellers, and tips for making each and every day a little bit brighter. You can buy it now at any good retailer. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. spoke about some questionable clothing and outfits i would like to speak about the ugliest accessory i've seen in a long time which is the apple vision pro goggles which came out on the 2nd of february they're like ai augmented reality tech wearable tech which are just foul have you guys seen videos of these online i have yeah i've seen so many videos of men wearing them tip tap tapping away walking <laughs> across the street on the subway, doing, you know, sitting with each other at coffee and yeah, not really engaging. They're a new release that is not like brand new technology, but like for marketed to the mass, it sort of is. They cost $3,499 dollars, dollars, <laughs> dollars. Um, and they're not out in the UK yet. So thankfully walking around London, wherever, we're not going to see ourselves in like full tech scuba gear, but Across America, there's been several viral videos of people using these, like you say, on the subway. Someone used them in like a Tesla, so like a self-driven car, (gasps) which I think they got pulled over for doing this. (laughs) Again, don't know if this is a publicity stunt, but people are wearing these. You use your hands like in front of your face to like move documents, to open different apps, to watch films. It's very dystopian. It's very weird. I'm immediately very uncomfortable by this, but I don't know whether that's me being like a Luddite or if I'm being like, Okay, boomer. Also, are you not just asking to be robbed? I think what I find really, (laughs) I know that we all carry iPhones and they're all, well, not all, that's a, but a lot of people have phones and that that's an expensive thing to be carrying around. But I just feel like we're getting further into this dystopia where there's this massive disparity of wealth and like Mm -hmm. someone that has $3,500 has to spend on like, a pair of AI goggles. I don't know what it says about this world that we live in. It's so unnecessary. That's aspirational. And like the video, I think that, you guys said you saw someone on the subway and it's like you no one's that busy you know your commute is what you're going like 10 minutes to an hour you can read a book and isn't it funny that this amazing leap in technology all this guy's doing is checking his emails and like doing work yet again in a place where you actually should just be like chilling out work is creeping into your private life your commute to work you're not being paid for that it's actually dystopian in the sense that like work is everything. It's actually not that important to check your emails, to be like dragging your hands around like you're in some kind of futuristic film. It's humiliating for what? So you can get an email sent. The only time I would think it's fine is if you're on a plane because 
it looks like you've got like a full screen cinema in front of mm-hmm. you. Like I've seen that on the advert. That is- You ain't got enough room on the plane to be doing all of this. No, like, you wouldn't. You, you don't watch your arms. You just put it on your face. Right. And then it looks like you're in the cinema. So oh, like right. you can't okay. see, I don't think you can see then the chairs in front of you. Because I think it is, yeah. It overlays this, uh, everything that you would like project. So like a screen here, an app there. So like, I think they say it's um, seamlessly blends digital content with your physical space. So like you can sort of see what you need to see. And like, so this is why people can wear them walking around because you, you can see through them, although I've heard they're quite blurry. People can't see in, although apparently you can like project a vision of like eyes on the front, oh. which is actually the worst bit because like to maintain like an illusion of eye contact, eyes will be like kind of projected on the front. Oh my God, I could make my eyes like purple or something. Yeah, you could put your falsies on. Just like to say actually that when I was a child, I did have like a gadget from the gadget shop, like a... Um, an infrared pair of goggles so I could like see in the night. <laughs> Did you know guys have what to see? What are you, you talking about? That's a big spy. So when I was like 11, I had the, I got them for Christmas. They were like green goggles and you, they had special lights so you could see in the night and they had like lasers What were you doing? Just walking around the house. <laughs> I had like the Pretending cheap version. Pretending to be a spy, Regera. I had someone that had like um, little tiny mirrors so I yeah. could see behind me. Yeah. They were like 45p. Oh my God. Is this going to become the new iPhone? Oh, like in the way that an iPhone, I remember my friend getting an iPhone when we were in year seven and we were all passing out under the table to play that helicopter game and we we were like, this is life changing, but it felt so far away. I didn't get an iPhone until like maybe four years later because he agreed, would, just was like the first person to get one. And I couldn't have foreseen back then how commonplace they would be. Is this glasses thing going to become that big, or is this something that's going to not pop this up version. and then disappear? I would say not this version because it's it's still early, buyable, wearable tech. It's in its first kind of release. For something that's affordable, I think we have a way to go. Users of this said it's it's impressive, but it's it's quite invasive. It's still quite blurry. It's not perfect. Obviously, we've seen them; they're revolting. Um, and yeah, for that price, it's it's not going to have like a major. It doesn't do anything your phone doesn't do. Mm. What scares me is all of our lives, like future dystopian stories, have always been like there's going to be a reality where basically we're all living in little pods and we've got a catheter in, we've got a feeding tube and we're, we're in a VR reality headset thing and we're living like the Sims. And it's just like every day we're getting closer and closer and closer. We're pulling away from each other. We're going, but we're retreating. doing it like actively. There used to be that old philosophical question that was mm-hmm. like, I can't remember exactly, but it was something like, if you could live in the real world with all the faults as it is, or you could get into like a, a pod. type of thing, pod, and you would live in a perfect world that was perfect, but it wouldn't be real world. But the minute you're in there, you you forget that it's not the real world. And everyone, the idea of it was that everyone would always pick the real world because it was real. And now it's like, we're actively choosing to live one foot in, in these kind of cyberspaces. And what is that about the real world that is so unappealing or like more and more unappealing? I think we've got this issue and we've seen it with social media where things are being creative and then we're retrospectively having to add in legislation and laws and figuring out what's going to go wrong. And I think there needs to be something changed there where when something is made, a bit like how like if there's medical advancements, it goes through years of Mm. rigorous testing and people making sure that it works and like before it gets accredited and put into school books or whatever. Whereas with tech and other things, it doesn't seem to be protected in the way that you know, in Silicon Valley, they're they're fiddling away with their, whatever they do, their screwdrivers, and they make a new thing. <laughs> and then it's just available to buy. And then and then suddenly someone does something awful. And then it's like, oh, well, maybe we should see whether or not this could be dangerous. It just seems 
like a really long way of doing things. Yeah. I feel like if something's invented, there should be some sort of court process it has to go through and- Agreed. Because we're in the age of innovation, we're the age of like everyone can make their own fortune. We're in like the tech age where we put profit for people. People are allowed to just go nuts. And yeah, we fuck around and find out later. Richard, you mentioned baby girl earlier and I would like to ask you explain the kind of baby girl phenomena. I would love to. Baby girl phenomenon is we saw an aspect of fan culture which is basically kind of comedic, kind of serious which takes aim at people who aren't anything like a baby girl. Mm -hmm. Somebody like... um, Jeremy Strong, for example, was a big baby girl <laughs> example from Succession. Girl. Killian yes. Murphy. Killian Murphy, exactly. Oppenheimer, Killian Murphy. Um, and it kind of takes these people who do everything expressly to not be anything like a girl <laughs> and kind of infantilizes them and makes them girlish. So somebody like Oppenheimer, the fact that he looks really moody and sad, it's suddenly become a teen, you know, like running away in her room being like, fuck you, mum and dad, even though he created the A-bomb, for example. Um <laughs> Somebody like Jeremy Strong, you know, uh, CEO of this like horrific company. He puts his earphones in, in a taxi and it's like, oh, that's so baby girl. I would do that in an Uber. It's the bit of um, Jacob Lordy in Saltburn and he's kind of sat there. And even though he is so long and tall and like a big man, he's like a bit coquettish. And everyone's like, oh my God, he's so baby girl. Yes. It's a really interesting trend. It's fun. And I think they have clocked onto it they've leaned into it like someone like timothy chalamet um will will wear like pieces from women's runways but he's so not baby girl so he's not baby girl okay so he's a baby girl wannabe but someone like jacob lordy he has his handbags yeah do you know what's funny i've just realized because timothy chalamet chalamet harry styles they're kind of slightly feminine Mm -hmm. whereas like killian murphy jacob lordy jeremy strong expressly not expressly not okay got it that's what makes me girl but also (laughs) it's one of those things i really enjoy participating in because it's so harmless it's so sweet and it's always like kind it's like a really fun way of talking mm-hmm. about celebrity and I love all the fan cams and as you guys know I specifically enjoy anything to do with Killian Murphy being baby girl yeah so it's it's kind of anyone who is not toxic masculinity yeah. yes. personified yeah they'll give us a little bit and we will give them our love and devotion there yeah. are baby girls which is interesting at first I was really didn't like it because I was like wait are women not baby girls like oh we're default baby girls oh I think. okay because yeah. a women mother and the boys are the baby girls we spoke before about it Sirius Blanchard in a previous episode and someone tweeted so many people use words like serve slay and mother when there is only one person who has in fact served for slaying their mother <gasps> oh, oh my god and another one which i loved was someone tweeted she looks gorgeous sea gaze was that so difficult and someone replied she ate contaminated food at the mother buffet and oh had explosive god, slayeria <laughs> i don't know why i find it so i love it because it's, it's gorgeous so writing stupid it's just what i love about mother cunted served well, it all comes from drag. It comes from like black kind of drag, drag, ballroom, ballroom. Yeah, yeah. But it's just so good. It's so pure. Yeah, and I has so it. much room for interpretation. Not interpretation, but like everyone's like you just said, like slayeria <laughs> has so much slayeria. room for being like really oh, inventive with language. It brings people together. People are like laughing, and and for the most part, it seems harmless. It's not like people are going. Okay, yes, Gypsy Rose, she's done her time. But people like people are talking about like Scorsese is a baby girl. All yeah. of this, like it, it seems yeah. focused on people who are by and large quite good and pure. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm tapping in. Yeah, I do like it. Mm-hmm. 
So just to pivot back to our salt burn reference, we actually spoke about this in our first episode. So please go listen back if you haven't already. So last week we decided that we are all going to read a book together this month, us three and you guys at home. We put it to you to suggest your faves, what you want to read and took it to a vote, which I think was very democratic. It was Between Bellies by Nicola Dinan. Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano and Penance by Eliza Clark. And the winner, voted by you guys at home, was... <laughs> so that was a trouble. <laughs> so it was mine. <laughs> they both won. Richard, do you want to give it a go? No. This is- <laughs> <laughs> you got so scared. She's in the horn section. Was Penance by Eliza Clark. Yes, my choice, my choice. Which was... Richard is pushing for this. Richard rigged it. We got loads and loads of suggestions, which we will be sharing very soon on our Instagram page. But Penance was Richera's number one. So she's looking very happy. Richera, why is this going to be a great book? So um, we mentioned last week, but Eliza Clark wrote Boy Parts, which was one of my favorite books from last year. Um, this one seems to take a very different track and looks at a murder with a group of friends, female friends. It's in the 2010s. It has true crime. It has tumblr-esque vibes to it i think it just feels very nostalgic it feels very on brand for stuff we've spoken about and it also has i think quite an online aspect to it so for me tick 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 that sounds very exciting so we're going to give you guys plenty of time to read it we'll talk about it in march i'm gonna i'm thinking the 8th friday the 8th yeah international women's day sounds good to me. international women's day so we'll kind of remind you and coach you along as we go but pencil it in in pen and we'll talk about it then. <laughs> or digitally or on your VR headset. Whichever way, we will not judge. I will. We will. A little top tip because I'm so excited but Netflix's new adaptation of One Day, David Nichols' book, which I would really recommend reading the book actually if you haven't seen it and wouldn't recommend watching the Anne Hathaway adaptation because not she, good. her accent is so good. bad but not I good. do recommend it. I cannot wait to watch the new Netflix adaptation with Ambika Mod and Leo Woodall I think it's going to be sensational you would watch her in Everything's Going to Hurt and he's in The White Lotus <gasps> yes so that's going to be so good such good TV maybe we'll talk about it next week girlies what do you think yes yes, yes, watch yes, it over yes. the weekend as always, we leave links to everything we've discussed in the description of the podcast. And leave us a review if you enjoyed the podcast. Only five stars, of course. And follow us on Instagram at everythingiscontentpod. We love hearing your takes, so please get over there and have a little chatter with us. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.